Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Living with Power Hope podcast. We are in a series of the Book of Acts called the Upside Down Series. I am so glad you tuned in. We teach the Bible, providing biblical truth for everyday life. So no matter what you're going through right now, I believe with all my heart that God's Word will have power to change you and to help you and to encourage you. I love the Lord Jesus Christ. I am a physician by practice and also run a ministry of teaching the Bible and writing about God. You can find me at livingwithpower.org. In the meantime, I want you to sit back and listen up as we delve into the book of Acts and focus on God's word and ask the Lord to change us in every way that he needs to. Won't you do that with me? And if you haven't subscribed to this podcast, I hope you do so now. I hope you tell your friends about it. And I hope that you're finding these teachings useful for you. So let's listen up and see what God has for us today. You know, I think we think of our lives when we face difficulties, we think, which well, is just a messy time. You know, I'm just going through a difficult time. I, I like this, MacArthur goes on to say, he says, when you face messes, you know, I think, I think uh, there are many reasons why you may face a mess. You ever feel like your life is a mess? Or at least you go through seasons where you're like, I just can't get it on a crow, it's a mess. And, and, and I find this analysis pretty interesting. I actually added one category, but I believe there's three categories of messes. I think there's a mess of ignorance. I think sometimes your life is a mess because God is trying to use that mess to draw your attention to him. He wants to get you to him. And so, so often, remember, before you came to Christ, you may have faced a a critical point in your life where you're like, I just can't get out of this mess. So you found yourself opening a Bible or coming to church or meeting another Christian. That's a mess of ignorance, I call it. So God is using that to draw you to him. But then I think there's a couple of other types of messes that we face. There's a mess of disobedience. And we've talked a little bit about uh, repentance for the past two weeks, so I won't hit on that again today. But, but I think sometimes you face messes because God's trying to get your attention. That happens to me in my life every so often. And it should happen in a Christian's life because remember, we're, we're part of the tree. And so we, if we're abiding in Christ, there's times where he wants to prune us and purge us. And, and I don't know anything about plants. A lot of you know that I don't know anything about plants, but, 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 but that's part of the process, isn't it? And we have a loving father, father who doesn't just throw away the plant when it looks dry. No, he, he's committed to making the plant robust and fruit-bearing. So there's a mess of disobedience that says, there's something in Lena's life, there's something in your life that I want to change. And so he puts pressure on through messes, people messes and life messes. And maybe there's an area of pride or maybe there's an area of maybe you're depending on the wrong things. You feel so you, you, maybe you're going through a time of materialism. So he may put some pressure on you to say, that's not what's important. Pay attention, repent. But then I think there's a third area, and it's the mess of obedience. Has that occurred to you? And I think that's the mess that Peter and John are in. It's kind of a mess when you think about it. I mean, they're not at the mall. They're they're in a prison facing the Sadducees and Annas and Caiaphas, who killed Jesus just weeks before. But, But that mess is a mess of obedience. And that's a whole different issue, MacArthur says. If you had been obedient and you had been confronting the world and proclaiming Christ and you get into hassle, just praise God and wait to see what it's all about and be submissive. Don't fight back. Just, just let it happen. Stay under it. That's a good mess to be in. So you're like, wait, so we're going to always be in a mess? Like there's no mess-free season? I don't think so. <laughs> I think until we get to heaven, there's always going to be some form of mess or another. I think the Lord knows how much we can handle. And there's little seasons when he lets up the, 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 the pressure of the mess. And we, you may go through a season of great joy. But, but the key is to find joy in the middle of the mess. 
Do you understand it? Because, because our joy is not from circumstances being comfortable, right? But what is our joy from? Our joy stems from God, who is always steady, all, all, never changing, always faithful, always near us, always providing, always loving, always understanding, so that it doesn't matter if we're facing a mess like Peter and John facing the Sadducees. We can still stand up and say there is salvation in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So the opposition will come for sure. The opposition has already been defeated. John writes that in 1 John 4, 4. He says, he says, greater is he who is in you than he that is in the world. This is John, the same John who is in the prison. You know, I think all, so much of the attention goes to Peter because he's naturally more bold, I think. John is kind of the touchy-feely disciple. He always wants to like sit down next to Jesus and, and just, you know, hug and stuff. And I don't understand him at all. I'm much more of a Peter person. Like, just say it like it is. And so, so it's interesting that God puts these two extreme personalities together in the same, in the same mess. Almost to say, like, if you're like, well, I'm not naturally bold, well, don't worry, neither is John, per se. Or if you're like, well, you know, John, I don't get him, well, then there's Peter. You know, you just kind of get the best of both worlds. I love that. But John says, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. In 1 John 4, 4, he also says in 1 John 5, 4, that this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. In 1 John 5, 4, you say, what keeps you going in the, when the opposition is putting pressure on you? It's your faith. How's your faith doing tonight, sisters? Is it strong? Is it growing? Peter's faith a few chapters ago was this big, as big as a mustard seed. Jesus compared the faith of the disciples to a mustard seed. But, but he wasn't worried about it because he knew it would grow. And, and they went on this like fast forward, like AP course, like super turbo growth. When they saw the resurrected Christ and experienced the filling of the Holy Spirit, which brings me to the third point, if you want to be bold, you've got to be filled with the Spirit. You say, does it have anything to do with natural abilities? Uh, no. In verse 13, it says that when they, meaning the, the judges, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were, what are the words there? Uneducated, common men. You're fishermen. I mean, they, they didn't know anything. They were like, how did, these, how did these people speak this truth with such boldness? They don't know anything. It says they were astonished. And then read this next sentence. So powerful. It says, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. It has nothing to do with personal ability, but it has everything to do with being with Jesus. How's your fellowship with the Lord Jesus? See, to be filled with the Spirit, you, you have to at least be with Jesus. And, and I, I kind of thought a bit about what that means, and, and I just thought about some verses that, that kind of talk about fellowship with the Lord, and there's some obvious things. Do you know we're called to fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ? It says that in 1 Corinthians 1, 9. But what is fellowship with Jesus? For, first of all, we're called to it. 2 Corinthians 6, 14, it, it really entails, you, you have to have no sin. So you have to be cleansed. You have to confess your sin. Again, we talked about repentance. I, I, if I, can I talk about it one more time? If you have sin ongoing in your life right now confess it to the lord and repent of it because you will not be with jesus unless that sin is is confessed christ has already died for it if you're a child of his but would you take care of it this is like you know this is like your third shout out you know like the first we did act two we did act three we talked about repentance maybe you just weren't on that page maybe the holy spirit would use today's lesson to say this is your chance to repent 
First John 1 talks about that, that, that fellowship with the Lord. So much is talked about in First John 1 about how darkness cannot fellowship with the light. Again, the concept of being clean of your sin. And, and it ends with First John 1, 9, that section that says that if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive you your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Of course, there's the fellowship of his suffering, Philippians 3.10. Just a few verses for you to, to think on this uh, week. So while, while being bold has nothing to do with your abilities, it has everything to do with fellowship with Jesus. But, but several times in the chapter, it talks about how Peter and John were filled with the Spirit. We see it in Acts 4, verse 8. Uh, but then, and I'm going to fast forward here a little, if you guys don't mind. We're going to skip a few verses there, and you guys will talk about them in your small group. And, and go to verse, of course, you guys know the end of the story because you've done the homework. But basically, they stand their ground, and, and, and the leaders have nothing against them this time. So this time, they're going to let them go, but they threaten them. They say, if you guys ever talk about Jesus again, we're going to kill you. And what do Peter and John say in verse 19? Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you judge, for we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. They basically look at them and say, uh, we're choosing God over you. In other words, you're not walking in God's way. I mean, that's as bold as one can get. So what do they do when this interaction is done? They're freed, they go home. Verse 23, this says, when they were released, they went to their friends. I, I love that. Do you guys like that? Basically, what it's saying is, when they were released, they went to their small group meeting. Seriously, it's the same concept. This is the friends from church who, who have come to know the Lord. This is, this is we don't know who's part of the friends, but it's their, their Christian community. You, you ever go through difficult times of opposition, and you come out of it, and you go, who am I going to share it with? You know, nobody will understand you better than your sisters in Christ as you get together and discuss the lesson with your small group. That's what you're doing. You say, how the small group leader will look at you and put you on the spot and be like, how did your week go? I, I bet you anything that Peter and John did not have silence as their answer. You ever feel like you just don't have an answer and you just look? And you think, who's going to win this one, me or my small group leader? And like it's a stare down. Peter and John were boiling over to tell what happened. They had seen God deliver them. Imagine them. You'd be like, you don't understand. We shared the gospel story with Annas and Caiaphas. Imagine the joy, the excitement. And then they, of course, go into a prayer meeting right away. Right away. They don't wait till the last 10 minutes to pray. They're like, oh, great story. Let's pray. Sovereign Lord who made the heaven and the earth. And they pray an amazing prayer and end it where it says in verse 31, when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. But notice uh, back in verse 20, well, let me actually, if you don't mind, let me read a couple of, of the things they pray for. He, they say, Sovereign Lord who made the heaven and the earth, up in verse 24, who through the mouth of our father David, your, first, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, he, they quote the Psalms, and then they go down to verse 27. And I want you to underline every time it says you or your. For truly in the city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretched out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. You guys didn't know we were going to do a little precept Bible study today, did you? Okay, do you understand that the motive of their prayer had nothing to do with me, I, myself? There's nothing about my safety. There's nothing about my protection, my family, my needs. It's all about you, Lord. You, your name, your salvation, you are the one that we want glorified. 
Do you see how their prayer is so different than ours? And they beg the Lord for what? For boldness. And as they're praying, what happens? The Holy Spirit comes and fills them again. You want to be bold. You've got to be filled with the Spirit. It has nothing to do with your abilities. It has everything to do with being with Jesus. You must be willing to beg for it. When was the last time you prayed, Lord, grant boldness? Grant an open door. Grant an open opportunity. And then grant that my mouth may be open. You ever feel like you're saying, I remember the worst moment of my Christian life. Seriously. Uh, I was a first-year medical student, and, and, and our medical school entailed um, a lot of small groups, quite different than these small groups. <laughs> but, uh, but they were small groups, and they called them small groups. Well, I found a study group, and, you know, I don't know if any of you struggled with any insecurities growing up, but I did. I wanted to be cool. I, I know you guys think I couldn't get any cooler now, but... But, but, but growing up, I wasn't always very cool. So I went to medical school. Now, mind you, I was a, I was a born-again believer, strong in the Lord. Like, I had been saved since I was a child. And, and so I went to medical school. I had gone to a Christian college. And this was my first experience of being on my own, where I really was going to live out my faith. I was reading my Bible every morning and really, but, but, but you know, still hadn't tested it too much. Get kind of where I'm at. So, so I find a study group, and they're all really cool, cooler than I was. And, and I just wanted to impress Shelby. You know, and, I, and, and so I remember sitting with her and three other people. It was a small, small group. And, uh, and, and, and I, it was our fir- my first time meeting them. There was no history. I just, I just remember being feeling flattered that, that I was even asked to be in this small group. And, and I remember the conversation veered from anatomy and physiology, as so many groups do. And, um, and, and next thing I knew, they were talking about the born-agains. And I, I don't know what prompted that conversation. I don't know why they picked on the born-agains, but they just laid into them and he started laughing and I froze I, I'm not joking I froze I, I said nothing and the moment passed and the group finished and I went home and I decided that day that I would never stay quiet given a chance I went home got on my knees and begged the Lord I'm telling you that, that I don't, very few moments have impacted my walk with the Lord as that one did I, I just remember walking home and feeling like Peter, I knew better. And, and as, as so many of us have experienced, God in his mercy was faithful and, and gave me many opportunities, even to Shelby in my medical school class. Of course, they're all my Facebook friends now, uh, and I don't think anyone has a question where I stand when it comes to the Lord Jesus Christ. But, but, but I just think, like, who are we trying to impress? We had everything to live for with the Lord, and instead we choose a person that we don't even know. If you want to be bold, you've got to ask for it. And then the last point, if you want to be bold, you've got to be willing to act bold. I'll wrap it up with just uh, reading a few verses here, 32 through 37. You say, what was happening in the church in all this time? It says, when the, now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. Again, the emphasis on unity. I love that. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them. How powerful is that? For as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. If you want to be bold, 
you've got to be willing to act bold. Boldness was not a characteristic that only Peter and James had. Peter and John, I'm sorry. It wasn't like just because they were disciples and apostles that they had anything above everybody else. On the contrary, the Spirit, Holy Spirit filled all the believers and boldness became a characteristic of every one of them. And the, the church, I wrote this down, the church that is touched by God is bold. The church that is touched by God or Spirit-filled is bold. But, but I also wrote this, the individual that is touched by God is bold. And they act bold. Later on, we'll, we'll be studying more about Barnabas, but it, that, that, that man is inserted there as kind of a little footnote. He becomes a companion of Paul, as you know. But nobody asked Barnabas to, to sell the land and give the money. And, and we're going to compare Barnabas next week to, An or in a couple of weeks, to Ananias and Sapphira. And nobody asked Barnabas to do this, but he was so filled with the Spirit and so moved that he realized that, that he, he just wanted to express his worship to the Lord. So what did he do? He acted boldly. The church was acting boldly. The things they were doing were not natural. And, and I'm telling you, when the Holy Spirit gets a hold of your life, when, when you see the resurrected Christ and when you live by faith and you see that the opposition is not a bad thing, but in fact something that God does because he wants to draw you closer to him and do great works in you, life was just getting started for Peter and John. And, and this imprisonment would be nothing but, but a mild hiccup compared to what they would face down the road in the book of Acts. And every one of the disciples would be killed for the sake of the gospel. And yet, the thing that would characterize them is the fact that their faith and trust was in a risen Savior who turns our world upside down. He has turned my world upside down, and I hope he continues to do that for you. And Lord, as we wrap up this lesson, we pray that you would grant us the spirit of boldness that Peter and John and the early church had. Father, I ask that you would lay on our hearts acts of boldness. Father, we did not plan this lesson to be right at the time of the capital campaign, and yet, Lord, so many of us will be faced with a challenge tomorrow night to act bold. And Lord, there will be fears surrounding these decisions to give when we don't feel like we have enough. Father, there will be insecurities in our, in our hearts and minds about whether or not the future will, that we would be able to make it. And yet, Lord, we want to have eyes fixed on eternity. We want to have our eyes fixed on a risen Savior who knows who we are and understands our needs and has provided for every one of them, even, even those needs that we haven't even considered. Father, you are sovereign God. We believe that you are in control. And so, Lord, we lay it all at your feet. You are our one desire. We ask that you would draw us closer to you as we apply your word into our lives, as we long to be brighter lights in the areas of influence that you have put us in. Use us, Father, in ways that we haven't dreamed possible. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Well, that's our teaching for today, and I'm so glad you checked in, and I pray that God is at work in your life even as you conclude this time in the Word. Hey, I can't wait to be back with you next week. In the meantime, know that you can download our app. It's called the Living with Power app, where you can access all teachings and resources at your fingertip. You can also spend some time on our website. It's the livingwithpower.org website, where you can also find out about our global work 
Uh, we have a store that you can buy more resources on or download free studies. Hey, are you following me on Instagram? I show up daily trying to provide encouragement to you and a little tidbit of God's word in a world of social media. And if you are here for the first time, again, welcome. Thanks for being here. And if you've been here before, please come back again and subscribe to this podcast. But more importantly, just know that God loves you. He's for you. And I can't wait to be back with you next week.